The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. Nice to see so many people here today. I guess it's cool weather, so people want to come. Maybe yesterday nobody would have come. People online, it's uh, to say it's interesting. In Melbourne, we had 37 yesterday, today 17. <clears throat> okay. Um, Ajahn Nisano asked me to uh, perhaps to give the Tama talk today on Ajahn Chah, because it's Ajahn Chah's, um, my Ajahn Brahm's teacher's teacher, Ajahn Chah, who's sort of one of the main monks in our lineage. Um, he's, it's his death anniversary on Tuesday, and they are celebrating him this weekend as they always do. He's been dead now, I think, um, 32 years or something like that. I cannot really give a talk like that because I didn't know Ajahn Chah, and, but obviously his teachings live on. Um, so I was meditating here just before the talk, and one topic came to my mind as everything is teaching us. And I thought it was a good topic because it's an easy topic for me because I can say anything. Any, everything is teaching us, so I can say almost anything. But, um, but it is true. Anything in this life has to agree with the Dhamma. We, we study here, what you hear and all that. It, it has to agree with the, the teachings. And anywhere <clears throat> we can find the, the, the teachings, it's interesting, a um, friend of mine is from um, my town, my, it's not even town, it's my village where I come from, small, tiny little village, if you call it even a village, it's visiting me here in Melbourne, and that means two-thirds of the, my, my age group from my village is here, because there's only three of us. So two-thirds from my village is in Melbourne this weekend, oh actually he's here for two months. So I, I think I lost my voice a little bit with him because I, I, I haven't seen him for like 20 years. And <clears throat> he came here um, night before yesterday and uh, we just kept talking. And I talk until 11 o'clock at night time, which is remembering the, all the people we knew and what happened and what we did. And um, it's interesting. I haven't, I never experienced that before. I've heard that expression that if you, if you're being close with some, close to somebody, somebody's your good friend, you can just sort of pick it up where you left, and that's really what happened. And there's only three of us, so there's, well, I never managed to have a lot of friends. So it's, um, but it's interesting. I like a, I come from that northern part of Finland, and. It's a small village. It's not. There's not really a, even a village. The the village center was that there was a school and a post office there, and pretty much nothing else because there was so tiny. It's little farms here and there, and then the farms. You know, you go from the farm to go to school, and not much there. But yet at the same time, I had the inclination to come towards the Dhamma. And so there must be something in my, we use the word sometimes, the kamma, quite loosely, karma. But there's something in my, perhaps my habit, that I ended up being a monk. And what is that? What goes from 
What is that interest that when you find the teachings that you are compelled to go towards that? You might be born as a Christian, you might be born a far away, you might be born... I've even known some Muslims who have escaped um, from their country just when they heard Ajahn Brahm's teaching and they came to Perth, even though they... because they had to leave their country because they were in danger of their life. So it's quite interesting that if there's something which really interests your life, you go towards that. You go, um, you go towards the teaching. And they said that Ajahn Chah was one of those teachers who, when people met him, they felt strong connection towards him. For me, obviously, it's been Ajahn Brahm. I met, met Ajahn Brahm. 20 odd years ago and I lived in New York and I, I always felt that he's really, he's a good teacher. In Theravada Buddhism we don't really have this idea of guru, guru idea and the Buddha never really recommended that either. The Buddha himself never tried to amass a lot of followers. People just started to follow him and there's actually an interesting story in a, one of the suttas, there's this old monk comes to talk, uh, talk to Buddha and said, oh, can you give me the teachings in short? And then I'll, um, I'm, I'm old, I'm advancing my years and I'll go then diligently, I go and practice in the forest. And the Buddha said, everybody tells me that just, and they just, that give me just one teaching. And they actually, then they just keep following me around everywhere, asking more and more questions. But the, and the monk said, no, no, just please give me the teachings in brief and I go and practice. And he, he did actually did do that. So even at the time of the Buddha, a lot of people started to follow him and it was a bit of a burden for him. That seems to be in the suttas. And it's interesting, quite often even uh, people, we, the tradition is that we put people, um, Buddha into this pedestal and yet he was just a normal human being. So I think we undervalue the the idea how important it is that we don't really we have the respect towards teacher and the Buddha, but it should be more like a, the Pali word is the Kalyanamita, and that's what the Buddha recommended, good friend. And in in that sense, is we the Buddha was the first Kalyanamita. And then there was, for some people, it was Ajahn Chah, and for some of us, it's Ajahn Brahm. And, but it's, it's all in every one of you. You are a good friend if you practice. And that's one of the reasons why, why you should take the five precepts and keep the five precepts mindfully, be a good person, be a kind person. Mindfully live your life, because that's your, your practice. And that's what you give to others. And since the, it's actually Ajahn Chah's quote, I started with that, that, that perhaps the topic is going to be that every, everything is teaching us. And that, as far as I remember from hearing from Ajahn Brahm, that maybe I read it from one of his books, that he said that everything is teaching us. That was Ajahn Chah's quote. And he was always a very direct person, apparently. He comes from, like I did, he came from that northeast Thailand, that small village close to where he actually then settled down. And he was just a village kid, and he apparently showed in his, his manners. 
there's even when somebody's really I like the idea that you're on the path. You are if you really you practice something, you get skilled at it, you get good at it. But it doesn't mean that you become a doctor or you become a nurse or you become whatever uh, mechanic or something that you change. You just you went to school, you went to architect school or you went to uh, uh, school to become a doctor or something, but it really didn't change your character, right? There's a certain things you, you took on board from that schooling. And it's, it's the same way people think that if you become a monk, you become a further in a path, you walk the path, you somehow change. So it's interesting. You quickly see when you become, you come to the monastery and you see, um, you live amongst the monks, and, or if you're a nun, you live amongst the nuns, that we all have very distinct characters and they are shaped from your childhood. They're shaped from the, your experiences, your family and all that. And it's, it becomes very apparent that, that this is what this, this person is. Uh, so it's um, even it's like somebody like Ajahn Chah, he was apparently very direct and but he was just that was the village way of talking and that was the way he he grew up with. So he would say something like I've not uh, there was a when he was just about to um, he was getting really sick and he went to the he gave a big talk into the village. And then he said, oh, I've been teaching here for many, many years to all of you. And I'm sure you all be good people and this and that. And then said, how many of you are going to keep five precepts when I die? Keep five precepts every day. And there was like 500 people and like 10 people raised their hands. And he said, you all dog shit. That was just the expression. Thais actually use uh, I wonder if it's, there's a book. I shouldn't be saying words like shit, but I'm, it, it's out there now. But... Uh, uh, it's a Thai expression. They have a lot of expressions from, they use the word poo in many ways. Like if, you, if you're sticky shit, it means you're, uh, you're stingy. You don't use a lot of money. You don't give a, stick, you know, a tip to other people and all that. So they just use that. So it sounds worse than it, it, it is in English, but they use in, it's a village language. So he said, you're all dog shit. Uh, so it means like you, you, you're stinking, you just, you can't even like, I've, I've been teaching as Ajahn Chah said, he was teaching there for 30, 40 years. And then like 10 people keep the five precepts, they promise to keep the five precepts. And it's, ah, oh, that's not very good. You should put more effort into it. So we, we try to encourage everybody in, uh, to keep these, some, uh, the Pali word sila, and I like the translation of, it comes from my teacher, again, other teacher, Ajahn Pramali, he likes to translate it as a kindness. Keep your kindness, that's, that's your priority. You have a certain way of, certain, your character is formed from your past life and this life, how you grew up and all those things. And you, it, it's a stable character. There's a, so it's a quite stable. But, because everything is teaching us, and if you pay attention to those things which are teaching us, people around us are getting sick, people around us are dying. All of those things which shape us, we understand that things, what things are important and what are not, pay attention to. Ajahn Chah had the, 
famous similes Ajahn Brahm uses that that he took a uh, he took a class and he held it in front of his himself and he he say uh, pointed out to gave it to the some of the disciples in front of him and he said can you see there's a crack in this class and people looked at around the past the class and they said oh Ajahn it doesn't seem that there's a crack in the class and he, he Ajahn Chah took the class and he said there is actually a crack in this class. And he said, what he means is that one day somebody will drop this class and it will go, it will shatter, it will go in pieces. And when, and that's the reason why we have to hold this class carefully. We have to take a, you know, be a, pay attention to that, carefully put it down, use it as a, what it is. But we have to respect that class in a sense that it, it's fragile. And in the same way, all of us, we are fragile. We have all, we have a fragile health. We have, getting born as a human, we will die. We have to dread carefully. We have to be careful around everybody. Because we know we are fragile and everybody else around us is fragile. So we have to take care of each other. So Ajahn Chah used to use those kind of very good similes where it makes sense. In Buddhism, um, we teach that everything is suffering. And it sounds very pessimistic religion, sort of, if, whether we're religion or not. But the nice thing is that this path actually leads to happiness. And Ajahn Brahm is being, being my teacher and all that. I, I really respect him because he finds the way to teach. He's, he sticks with the Buddha's teachings, but he finds the way to teach it in the sense that it sounds really understandable and ma it makes sense and it makes it fun. There was just yesterday, there was a kid there and he said that we were talking about, they were listening to Ajahn Brahm's teaching. He, was an, he just had his ninth birthday yesterday and I was talking something about Ajahn Brahm and he's, we, uh, you know, I, I make some these things and the kid said, yeah, plus he's very funny. So yes, exactly. It's a, it's a skill he learned from his father. He's, Ajahn Brahm is very funny. But the, the Ajahn Brahm says, and he's actually correct, this path path should lead towards greater and greater happinesses. We have less and less attachments. We worry less and less about what, hap what happens in this world. We understand what's worth of paying attention to and what's not worth of paying attention to so much. Sure, we have to do the work. We have to take care of family. We have to do all those worldly things, but how important are they? Where do they lead? Anjan Brahm has this simile, I remember already early on when I started listening to him um, when I lived in New York, and he used to always say that, you, you know, you, you want something, you really want it, you want to buy something, you really, really need this, you really think this is important for me. And when you get it, it gives you happiness for a while, but then the happiness disappears really quickly. 
And he, Ajahn Brahm has this thing where he says, and then what? And then what? No, what? It's everything in life. And then what? Oh, I just go through the school and then I just get a job. And then what? Oh, I just get off this work when I'm working. I just get it out of the way. And then what? I just work really hard and we earn a lot of money and then I retire. And then what? And then what? Be careful that the whole life doesn't become, and then what? We're always trying to get things out of the way. But the thing is, everything is teaching you. Every moment is as important than running to, it's more important than running towards something else. We're always living in the future, Ajahn Brahm says that, and it's true. I have really the same tendency. I, I just want to always rush, get things done, and I want to go back to my hut. And then what? Then I'm restless when I'm in my hut. And then I want to get rid of the restless. And then what? There's always something. That moment is important. That moment of restlessness is important when you're meditating. That moment of having to deal with the, this car, um, the talking mind is as important as anything. If you give it your full attention, that endless chatter in your mind, whatever it's telling you is as important as anything. That is actually the practice. To be able to be with that person, whoever that little person is in your heads, is the practice. You don't know, most of you don't know what jhana is. In all honesty, it's one of the big things in Buddhism that it, it will happen, it will happen, and it exists. Most of you, I would assume, you don't know what enlightenment is. I think I have a good understanding that it's most likely you, won't, you don't know it yet. So what's the point of aiming somewhere you don't even know what it is? What you do know all of us, we know what contentment is. We all know what calmness is. It's that moment when I'm just, I'm just happy to be here. It's, that, it's almost like that moment when I was talking with my friend and the time just slips and we talked until 11 o'clock at night time in, in here in our kitchen. And it's just time just flows and all that. It's that kind of moment where you just there, it is things happen. Aim for that. Aim to have more and more calm in your mind. Ajahn Chah had this thing where another, since that's sort of the topic, one of his similes was that um, when you go to a forest and you sit down and be very, very quiet, the animals and you his simile was that uh, you go and meditate on next to a uh, still forest pool. And that's, I think, this is one of his books, the translation. And he said, when you're really, really quiet, let the animals come to that still forest pool. And if you're really careful, 
there will be animals coming which nobody ever told you they exist. And he used words like magical animals. And it's a quite interesting simile. It's almost like a simile to Nimitas, to Jhanas. They will happen. There will be magical things happening in your mind. Just hang in there. Don't do anything. The still forest pool is also a simile for that, that don't, there's waves in your mind. Don't go patting down the waves. What do you do when you're patting down the water? You're creating more waves. What's the best thing to do? Nothing. Don't do anything. The practice should be before you sit down. That's what Ajahn Brahm always says. I'm, it was so frustrating for me in the beginning to stay with Ajahn Brahm in the Bodhinyana monastery. You really left on your own. They, it's almost like you, you, they just, you just jump into deep end and hope for your dear life that you can swim. And I don't know if I, I almost didn't make it, but luckily I made it. <laughs> so after 11 years, I'm still here. But it really feels like you have no grasp of what am I supposed to be doing here. And places like in Porignano, we don't have this. Nobody holds your hand. You're given an empty room and I said, go and meditate. And it's a bit um, daunting task in the beginning when your engine is really hot. And let me tell you, my engine was really hot. From running around everywhere in the world, I was trying to find something. And then I thought I found it. And when you are quietly in that forest, in this small hut in the middle of nowhere, and there's nothing you could do, there's nowhere you can go. It's dark there, two o'clock in the morning, and your mind is running around. What can you do? Nothing. It's almost like you're against the wall and then you're just trying to hold for your dear life. And you sort of can understand what the heat in my engine was. I was quite young when I ordained, so there was certain kind of heats in, in young man's mind. And steam is coming out of your ears sometimes when you're, you're, you're stopping, you're coming a monk. But if you hold in there, it will get easier. It will get easier. Even if you don't end up ordaining, if you just keep coming to these places, listen to Ajahn Brahm, try to get inspired, try to understand what the Dhamma is. Try to realize that everything in this life is teaching us. There is no ultimate teaching or teacher which will set you free. That's your job. It is your job to put in the effort. In Buddhism, I don't, I really don't understand. I come from the, obviously, because I come from outside of these traditional cultures. I don't see sometimes the full value of just doing what we call the puchas. There's a certain aspect of you doing the pujas. You, you give, there's the respect aspect, and it reminds you of the teaching. But if it becomes just a devotional practice, 
it doesn't leave the imprint in your mind. It might not follow you to the next life. What goes from life to life? There's no self in Buddhism. But your karma will follow you. Whether you, again, but whether you believe it or not, that's irrelevant. The Dhamma should be visible here and now and it should have it should have something you can see that it works. It should work here and now, every moment. When somebody gets sick, when you get sick, when somebody dies, when somebody's teaching and the penny drops, all of those things are important. But if you just go and do pujas, I don't know if it, it's, a, it's a strong enough to erode those things, what we are attached to. We are listening. There's, um, again, why I like, really like Ajahn Brahm is that he, he really knows his suttas, but he knows his Pali as well. And he translates, for example, what brings you, um, what is this thing what sustains us? And Ajahn Brahm, he, he's got this interesting way of saying, uh, translating, that he says it's, it's the, like the fuel what sustains us Sometimes they translate it differently, that feel, that it's the craving. Craving is the feel what takes you from life to life, but it also takes you from every mind moment to mind moment. It takes you from one place to another place. We're always running towards something. We're always running towards something. The feel is there, it's burning. You always think you can choose something which is better. You think you have free will. I'm going to choose this. And every time you choose something, the reason behind it is lessening your suffering. You think. But ultimately, doesn't really make that much difference. And the more you choose, it is actually the worse it gets. Stop being so choosy. Stop being so somebody who is always looking for something. But please keep looking for the Dhamma. Keep looking for the teachings. Try to understand it. Putting in the effort. And you will find it, even if you get born far away. You will find the value in this you will find the peace. It's inside of you. And even no matter what happens, it doesn't affect you anymore so much of those past traumas. Whatever you have now, it's less and less and less and less. And that's the value of practicing. If you don't see it in your own life, none of it matters. If it's just a devotional practice, there's a faith, or something will come after this life, there will be reward, it's not good enough. And it's not, it's not the aim 
that you will reap the reward in some point in the future. Be careful with that. Don't think that there will be something waiting for you. Something good will happen. Now the goodness should be here. It is here and now. It should be visible. It should be something you experience slowly, slowly here. And that is the practice. And if you keep at it, it will happen. All of these things we teach here, I, I thought the, the word of the Buddha, Buddha here for the Christmas time and you keep hearing it, put the effort in, be quiet more and more in your own mind. Keep looking at who, what, what is that little person in your mind telling you? What is it telling you? Don't try to push it away. Be with it. Be kind towards that. It's telling you something. But if you ignore it, it becomes, it, started, it will start manifesting perhaps like a disease. It will create a lot of problems to you if you don't pay attention to that. Pay attention to that, but be kind towards that. That becomes the practice. That really is the practice. You have a different makeup. You have a different voice in your head than I do. And everybody else has a different uh, voice. You have a different, different problems in your life. I thought I was a very normal person until I started looking in my own mind and I realized, well, maybe I'm not so normal. It's very easy to see outside the faults on other people. It's very easy to see that they should change in some other way. But we can't even change ourselves. And remember that don't try to change yourself. Don't try to somehow get rid of those problems. We learn to live with them. The inner world is really is the more important world. There's nothing out there, really, which is going to liberate you. It's in your mind and in your body. I like the one, another teacher from my tradition, uh, Ajahn Ganha. I went to live with him, stayed with him for a while, a couple of years ago. And he's, he's got this simile where he says, studying the world is endless. Even studying intellectual pursuit is endless. It's, it's never going to end. You can find anything in this world and pay attention and keep studying and studying and then take another interest and keep studying and studying. It's endless. And you can see that. But Dhamma, studying Dhamma has end. And I like that. This is path where you can find the end. Whatever it, that is. We don't know, perhaps. Most likely you don't know what it means. But it has a taste of freedom. That's the Pali word for that, what the Buddha used, is the Vimutti Rasa. It has a taste of freedom. And you, ha you have the ability to taste it. It's that moment when you realize, I would have reacted a lot stronger 
if I have not put in the effort to be kind. That's the freedom, that moment when you realize, yeah, it works, this is good. And then that will leave, lead you more and more freedom. Taste of freedom. It's very important. And those are the ones when you can actually see it works here and now. Not in some celestial time when you get born as a deva. When you die, maybe I get a better rebirth next time. No, you won't. You get born as you again. Maybe in a different body. Maybe a different, slightly different mind. But you're still there. It's the same you following you. No matter how fast you run, no matter where you go, you cannot escape the karma. There is no place in this world, next lifetime even, even if you don't believe that, you are there. And if you don't, if your aim is not to learn to live with that, then you keep running. We all keep running. And that's the word for samsara. So find the mind and body of your own. Be an island to yourself. Rely only on yourself. Listen to the teachers, get inspired from the teachers. We have teachers for a while. Fortunately, it takes a long time to really be a good teacher. It takes a long, long time to practice. Like Ajahn Chah, he, he really didn't have this heyday, it was quite short. And one of the things which he regretted at the end, Ajahn Brahm has a really soft memory from that. He, he was, I think he was assisting because monks, we do, we, senior monks, we always, um, we, senior monks have assistant usually. And one of the things what Ajahn Chah regretted in his life with um, Ajahn Brahm was his assistant or really nearby there one time and Ajahn Chah said, I built too many monasteries, but I did not build monks. That was his greatest regret in life. So for us, yeah, we're building a retreat center now, but we are building the retreat center now for you to come there. It's for you to come there to practice. Put in the effort when we'll finish the retreat center in, I hope in July, August, something like that. It will be there for years and years. And the reason to build this, we don't build halls, as John Brahm says, we build hearts. But we need the halls for the hearts to grow. So when it will be finished, your job is to come there to our retreat center, get inspired, find the calmness in your mind. Put in the effort. And the effort is not, it's not like we are going to running marathon every day. The only thing you have to do is be happy. That's your job. Happiness. How difficult is that? 
it's not difficult if you start finding the really the key things what actually makes you happy and that's why we have similes for happiness we use words like contentment how happy it is to be content if you but if you never pay attention to contentment this is what it is i'm sick i can still be content somebody died i can still be content i can find the happiness from the memories of that person the path should be a path of happiness it's not a happiness of buying a new car buying the latest toy for yourself all of those happiness are very fleeting the happiness is really is in your mind all the time and in, in the suttas it says one time the one king came to talk to the buddha and says why would you be ascetic why would you practice all these things why would you just live in a monastery and because you could just you came from royal family he, he said the buddha buddha came from wealthy family and you know he was well off and easy life so why would you do that you had um easy life and the buddha said can you how long can you as a king how long can you really sustain happiness half a day one day two days can you do that as a king as a king you would think you would be it's a nice life right and the and the king said no i well is here and there this little happiness but there's always somebody who's going to come and bother me there's always decisions i have to make there's always life is difficult as a king sounds easy everybody wants to be a ruler of something but there's always problems coming so the king said no may not a long time and and he said well how how long you as a buddha how long you can have happiness the buddha said well i can have happiness all day not just all day i can have happiness as days i can just have constant i think he used even the word bliss we could translate in english bliss really really high happiness for seven days straight perhaps that's a little bit too much for you but it is there the possibility is there the path is the path of happiness contentment we can just i can see what's happening in your mind i can be content and happy with it don't let the world control your happiness don't let other people control your happiness let you control the happiness in your own mind don't go chasing it somewhere else it's not outside world it won't be somewhere it's not something then what then what it's now what maybe i should have a saying ajamurita just invented new saying now what doesn't sound like a very inspiring but um so everything is teaching us and you know it you intuitively um you have an intuition in your own mind that that's that's exactly right you have the keys in your own mind for the happiness we do have it and it's not that difficult we just keep at it see what's happening in our mind that's the practice and relax 
Relax. Nothing to do, nowhere to go. What should I do? Nothing. Be kind. And I think I have nothing else to say. I've used so many words this last week that thank you so much. So good. Okay, we take questions from audience and online and <clears throat> Should we take one question online first and then we which one? Yeah, please do. The first online question, um and thank you again for a very uh, inspiring talk. Um comes from Thomas in the UK. He says, Dear Ajahn Mudito, how do you find a good Buddhist teacher? Uh, and are there many differences between uh, different Buddhist monks and teachers? I think this is inspired by the discussion yeah. about Ajahn Chah and different teachers. Right, right. Yeah, it's an, it's, it's, it's an interesting topic. How do you find it? Like I said, there's not really a perfect teacher that's the, like it's going to exactly the B1 teacher. It should be, if you look at it really, like I said, you probably forgot by now, but it, if you consider it like a Kalyanamita, if you consider somebody like a good friend, like a precious friend, then you, it's the idea is a little bit different. Don't look at it as like, it's going to be like a guru. There's going to be a guru's words, which are just, you know, exactly right. If you look that way, the, the way the Buddha recommended how to find a teacher is you have to live with them. And it's actually true you kind of really know who is a good teacher until you really live with them for a long, long time. Until you sort of have to take it as, as trust. You, and it's interesting sometimes uh, other traditions, there is the idea that they, you have a really a one teacher. The Buddha never said that really. A lot of people, a lot of you know here, there's the, the famous chant we do, there's, um, and it goes, Samanana Dasanang Etamangalang Uttamang. It's from the Mangala Sutta, Mahamangala Sutta. To see Samanas is highest blessing. The Buddha didn't say to see the great teachers or something. He said to see Samanas, to see ascetics, to see teachers, however you want to translate that. That is the highest blessing. If you never go and see the teachers, or you know whether it's online or see them live, put the effort. You're missing out on the you know, the blessing, on the the opportunity. So don't let, let's not be too critical of of some teachers are better than others, and you know I don't I don't think he's a good teacher. Don't worry about too much of that. Take something from everybody which think you can apply in your life. Seeing someone as is the highest blessing. So don't think there is going to be ultimate teacher for you. It's obviously for me, it's been a very good, very nice because uh, it's such an inspiring way to live for me to live in amongst the Sangha, Kut Sangha and Ajahn Brahm as, a, as, the, as the main teacher. But even for, for us, we have good monks here in Buddhist Society Victoria. 
um, how to find a good teacher? Well, the good thing online is it's a very good good place for these days. Why, whatever, if you're more inclined towards uh, analytical ways of looking at things and all that, well, then you listen to somebody like Venepo Analio. He lives in the United States now. He does a very technical suttas and uh, he compares the uh, the Pali and the Chinese and all that. Venepo Analio, German monk. Pande Suchato from Sydney. Again, a very analytical mind. Ajahn Pramali knows his Pali. More that kind of analytical way of looking at and they, well, they have, of course, heart as well, but it's more scholastic way of looking at it. If you're inspired from the stories and kindness and all that, Ajahn Chah, Ajahn Chah or Ajahn Brahm, obviously, who's alive. Whatever works for you, just keep, keep at it. Listen to any, anybody and everybody and take whatever you can on board. But really, you don't know. Who, who anybody is until you live with them. You know what your partner is like. You know how your mom is like. They don't just all of a sudden change because you live with them. That's how you know them. The same way to find a teacher. When you live with somebody, you know if they are the real deal. But if until you if you don't, you just have to listen, take that teachings and, you know, practice yourself. So that's the, what the Buddha recommended. Yeah. Is there any, anything in the audience? Please ask me something. So once one, somebody starts, then the next one's full. Everybody's looking at each other. <laughs> right. Um, I should ask a question. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you don't have any. Yasmin? Okay, yes. Somebody. You know what the Buddha said? If you want to be smart, you have to ask questions. I can see Yasmin is one of the... Uh, Bandi, more than a question. Yeah, yeah. Um, I listened to a Dhamma talk by Ajahn Kalyan yesterday, and oh, yeah. it really aligns with what you said. It's time for us to live the Dhamma. So we listen to the Dhamma, we hear the Dhamma, mm. and all of that. So what you said was... Practicing even the five precepts is actually living the Dhamma. Right, yes. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Practicing. Yeah, well, yeah, what is practicing? Yeah, yeah, live the Dhamma, and, you know, and yeah. But what is, what is the Dhamma, live the Dhamma? What, what is the practice? Well, it is exactly right, keeping the five precepts. That's, that is the practice to everything becomes practice. You, you, you're try to have a kind speech and speech which is something people want others want to hear and which actually nerd, uh, helps others instead of divides and all those things everything it becomes part of the practice and then leaves the mind clean clean or leaves the mind at ease you don't have to doubt yourself we, we don't have to please everybody I have the tendency as well, I tend to please and I, I feel guilty if I don't, um, cannot give enough. But then I just have to see that, well, okay, it doesn't seem to be the mind wants to engage. I think a lot of women tend to have the problem of pleasing and I think it leads to a lot of problem. It doesn't mean that you're, you're not a kind person if you don't please everybody.
So please don't do that. Be just be. It's like no, this I just don't have the energy, and just that's that's good enough excuse than any. Just you know, say sorry. I'm. That's it. I I don't have more time to do things or. And you don't even need to go asking forgiveness from everybody. Just realize that you these are my boundaries, and that's good enough. There was an interesting story since we sort of talking about that in Cha. That there was a one lady he came to from the village, and he said, um, "Ask question for Machan Cha." He says, um, "We they at the marketplace. I think she was the sales lady, and she was selling something, and then." Uh, there there was this people were abusing him because uh, apparently she was a practicing really quite like practicing buddhist and they were trying to use her to trying to get things cheaper from her and ajahn chah that's I said that no that's not the way it doesn't mean you're buddhist practicing buddhist that people can just walk over you it doesn't mean that you can just always keep everything for very cheaply and all that you have to make a livelihood you have to Take your stance. You're kind towards yourself because you're taking a stand. It doesn't mean that we are going, we don't help others. It doesn't mean that we are not trying to be kind towards others. But you realize these are my boundaries and this is my sales price. This is how much I'm worth. You have a limited time. And in that sense, the time is money as well. You have to take time for yourself. Value your own time. Value it. It's very, very important. Don't just go running around trying to take care of everybody else. Right, okay, anything else? There was a question online. I did couple of comments as well. I think they are related. But I will read this one from Maria in Queensland and say, Hello, thanks for the talk. And is it possible to follow the Buddhist path uh, in an isolated community such as the one she lives in in Queensland by going online and using the resources you provide? And I think ties to another question about where do you find a teacher and whether you can use the laptop monastery. Well, I guess you have to. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice... I've never heard the laptop monastery, but yeah. I like that, yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, no, well, of course. The, the, I mean, I, I'm sure all of you who here, you find that when you go and do something in, the, in, in a city center or you go come to monastery, it has a different impact. You could have just stayed home today, listened to this talk online, but it doesn't have the impact. It doesn't... And it's interesting in the in the retreats when somebody actually gets good meditation amongst the group, everybody else starts reporting that they had a good meditation that time. So there is this group energy which we all create, and that for for me perhaps as well because I'm lived with Ajahn Brahm for so many years. There's it, there's a tremendous energy he just brings to the monastery. Just that to live with him, it's it, there's a. Uh, Tremendous value in that sense, but the yeah, um, it is it, well. I mean, it's so much easier now. We don't uh, we don't physically have to come here. It it makes a difference, but it, the laptop monastery is second best, I think. But the um, 
it's not there yet. I don't think it's. I, I don't think it's. I, I don't think it works as well. So we will on a retreat center as well. We will. Will Sri is trying to do the best of his ability to make it so it's some looks very interactive for for everybody looking online and all those things and we try to make it so <clears throat> works well like that as well but I don't think it's going to have that strength but um, you have to use it because if you don't have anything else but I mean take a break if you if you have a Christmas break or Easter break is coming so you know try to go a retreat in Janakro try to come to our retreat center when it's done you know there's there's opportunities flights are easy to take fly from different places drive for five hours if that's what it takes to go and see a teacher and it leaves an imprint the the buddha said if you really put effort into something if you're making dana and you have to put more effort making it it's better kamma it's because the effort is stronger in that sense, it leaves an imprint in your mind. You really put effort helping the Buddhist society. Of course, it leaves a way stronger imprint in your mind than if you just come here once. It doesn't, one talk doesn't do it. It just doesn't do it. You put in the effort and it leaves the imprint into your karma. So put in the effort. Put in the effort, it will leave you towards the Nibbana, the peace. Do you have anything else? Are there any from here? There is one question, I think, online. Okay, let's take is one more. That, that's, um, so I think this is related to your comments earlier. Did about you have a question? Please come. Is there yeah. one here? Let's take yes, the audience one first. Here. I think you're in front of me, you're more important to me. I've Thank you for the talk, Anjan. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I just have a question, like, uh, can you please talk a little bit about uh, harmony, like how do we need to maintain harmony in our families or in mm. our lives with other persons or whoever we meet with? Yeah, everywhere. With. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for the you. question. Yeah. Um, how and why... Um, Realize that that is the most important thing to have is harmony. That's what in the monasteries we we live within a group of people all the time, twenty four seven. So we are always encouraged just don't start talking a lot. More you talk, you're always gonna have problems. Go back to your heart. Practice by yourself. Once in a day, twice a day, when we have those meetings, then we. We can have chit chat like tea time is very relaxed in, in Bodhinyana and Nubri. We we don't usually talk about anything deep. We're just having a cup of tea and then just relaxing and all that. And it's it's part of the tradition actually. And then you go and practice by yourself. More you start hanging out with each other in the monastery, the more problem you start getting. Um I think it could go with the family as well. So have your have your own time. Try to realize that your own time is important. It is important. Um, another thing which is with the harmony is don't look other people's faults too much. You cannot change yourself 
how can you change others? No matter what it is, concentrate on the good parts of the other person. If you think you can help them, you come from a place of loving kindness. Not from the place of greed, not from the place of hatred. Look into your own mind. I need to help this person. Are you coming from a place of kindness? Are you really trying to help this person? Or are you coming from a place of almost like a hate, greed for yourself? If this person would just stop behaving this way, my life would be good. You're coming from a wrong place. Always come from a place of kindness. And one thing which is Ajahn Brahm always tells us in the monastery, which is more important, that you are right, then we have harmony. Harmony is more important than being right. And we're getting brainwashed with that all the time. Perhaps that this is the wrong way of doing things. Does it matter? Not so much. Let it go. Harmony is more important than being right. And that goes with your family as well. Husband is wrong, doesn't matter. Wife seems to be doing dishes wrong way every day, it doesn't matter. As long as we're in harmony. Let her do her ways. Let the husband do her ways. Dogs behave like dogs. Husbands are like dogs. No, maybe not. <laughs> husbands are <laughs> behave like husbands. Harmony is more important. Value it. Let them be, give them distance. Let them go, let them go. Don't be so attached to them. Be attached to harmony. Try to have even, like, try to have a balance. Try to have a discussion, okay? You got two strikes, now it's, I can be twice, I can be right now. Try to have a balance in life. Okay, yesterday you, you were right, today it's my turn. Discussion is always good. Discuss, but value it. If you don't value harmony, you are trying to be changing the world. You cannot change yourself. How can you change the world? You cannot. So yes, harmony is important. And okay, let's. Uh, I think we're gonna eat. Yeah. So thank you so much, much for coming, and let's pay respect to the Buddha Dhamma Sangha.